Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at microsoft.com slash AI for all. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Welcome to the American Horror Story Podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for American Horror Story Hotel. Brought to you by Bald Move. You can find all of our stuff on baldmove.com. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Cecily. And tonight we're talking about episode 505. Room service. Room service. What did you think of this one? This was good. Concise episode. I thought... Short and sweet for once. Yeah, the first episode in a while that I felt like move i mean i was pleasantly surprised when the it faded to black and like oh wow oh, i I've, i i could have done with another 15 minutes of this show and we got finally got some liz taylor backstory that's another special moment about this particular mm-hmm. episode so do you want to just get right into it yeah let's just get right into it right on oh i also want to issue a correction from last week a correction i was under the impression that devil's night was the halloween episode but apparently Devil's Night is what they call the night before Halloween. Yeah. So, so this is that, our Halloween episode. Yeah, I felt like last... Hmm, I don't know. I mean, then I would be more comfortable calling this a two-part Halloween episode. Because last week felt like the Halloween episode. This right. one, all it was was just a kid dressed... You know, kids dressed up as trick-or-treating. There was no real trick-or-treating. There was, it was two douchebags avoiding trick-or-treating. Right. Definitely Halloween, though. Okay, fine. So, Alex is back at work, and she's taking her own temperature to discover that she's the same temperature as Holden, so guess that confirms she's a vampire. Also, I'm she sorry. looks like Glamour. hell. Yeah. Looks she rough. looks like hell. Yeah, so she goes to check on the anti-vaxxer child, and she's um, she's definitely feeling the effects of wanting to feed, seeing the mom's veins popping out of her neck. Mm-hmm. Um, the mom is in a panic. They're asking her to sign a DNR and she says, go get some coffee or a sandwich and, uh, then proceeds to raid the blood storages Mm. and, um, takes some of her own blood after she's fed and injects it into the boy's IV bag and his heart rate speeds up and then he wakes up. Yeah. What, what is she thinking here? Does she really think that she can just... She's under the impression that if she injects him with a small enough amount that he'll have the healing but effects. that's but not said he'll... on the screen. No, it's she's not. She's like in a fog and she's not thinking right and she's on a blood high. I think that it really bothered me that a person's gone through medical... Like, I get it that you'll do some kind of insane, crazy thing to be with your child. But I don't know that you just go injecting disinfected blood... When you know it's going to make them crave blood into just everyone you see, I just you know, stupid. I yeah, She's stupid. I just don't. I don't understand this character. I will say that doctors make the best addicts. Yeah, they really do. I mean, House Nurse Jackie. Sure, you get you can get you can get all the great drugs. Yeah, you can steal them from patients. Yeah, you can raid blood banks if you're into that kind of thing. Yeah, like if you're addicted to a substance, being a doctor is probably the best thing you can be. Yeah, wait. For yourself? Well, I mean, just like if you want, for, for being an addict. Ah, like I they're see. the super, they're the LeBron James of the addict world. <laughs> they're playing on just at a whole other level. I hear, I've heard stories that nurses, when they're hungover, sometimes will come in and give themselves, um, what is it, saline IVs so mm. that they can rehydrate quickly. Oh, and that's then interesting. Hangover over. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. that's fine. Like, I don't know if that's, uh, 
that's official hospital policy, but if you can get away with it, that sounds like an excellent idea. Yeah, so I think that if you are feeling some effects of your drug abuse, that you also know the way to make it better Yeah, pretty quickly. So you're right. Um, Plus, they have to mop up puke and wipe people's asses and... You know, you deserve to have some fun. Maybe they, maybe <laughs> they should get some. Maybe they should even get a couple Xanax every shift. Yeah, like just just you know, yeah, uh, an, just uh, an allowance. Exactly. <laughs> so, Donovan brings Iris to Ramona Royale's house and um, offers Iris up to be their inside man. He blames her ratchet appearance on her being a drunk. And Iris recognizes Ramona Royale either from the large movie posters right above her head, which mm-hmm. I want one of those, if not both. And uh, she says, you're so beautiful, which is the f- the first time that this is said in this episode, but it's repeated later. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Donovan offers to get both of them revenge through Iris. It was weird because there's no trace of the Donovan that loves his mother here. Like, no, that was these... just a temporary madness that he went through. And now it's like, oh, well, I can use my mom like a piece of meat and put her against this 100-year-old vampire who's smarter than him and got more experience than us. And so I, just I mean, Ramona f- can smell you from the balcony. What yeah. the fuck? I just want to go through his train of thought here. He goes off on his mother. He goes yep. on this drug binge. Ramona Royale. Take or kidnaps him, realizes she can't use him, sets him free, and he feels like at the end of the last episode, I was under the impression that he felt like he was sorry for what he had done to his mother. Mm-hmm. So that's why he came back to save her. Well, he came back to talk to her, ended up saving her. So somewhere in that time, he was like, Oh, wait, now I want to use you again for revenge. I don't know. It's a flip-flopping that I just don't think was I feel like what we've learned well. from these episodes is the writing room for the American Horror Story love their mothers. Do they? Because everyone in the show seems to have mommy issues. That's true, but they love their mother. I mean, they, they haven't. They're not over it yet. Okay. <laughs> All right. Because this just going back and forth, and I hate you, I love you, I hate you, I love... I mean, <laughs> yeah, okay. You're either a teenager or... You're a poorly written character on a horror show because I just did. I don't know. That standing off and on again and mm-hmm. uh, is driving me crazy. So Ramona recognizes that Iris has officially been turned and Iris. Turned up. <laughs> yep. Iris says it's not going to work. Elizabeth will. She'll find out immediately. She'll know. And they agree that she's just the invisible kind of person that can get away with it. Mm hmm. Um, but that, I mean, I don't know that again, I don't know that I buy it since, uh, Ramona didn't have any, have any trouble smoking it out, but mm-hmm. they seem to be going with this Kathy Bates is the invisible woman and lay out some compelling reasons why that would be so. So I guess, all right, sure. I'll allow it for the thematic reason. It doesn't really bother me. I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't say, I mean, if I were in their position, I wouldn't say that it's so much that she's an invisible person, but she's just a trusty loyal servant i mean this woman in the first episode was feeding swedish women to her like filtering the blood through the child mm-hmm. the candy children first and then feeding her blood so that's the impression i'm under is that would be the reason that she could get inside more than her being invisible okay i don't know there's certainly both reasons that this show supplies uh so alex is she comes back to the anti-vaxxer boys hospital room. And Can he's... we agree to call this mom the, uh, the crunchy mom? Because that's, I guess, what the, the anti-vaxxers, measle party, uh, all natural moms call themselves sure. on their blogs. Sure, but this is about the last time that I'll have to refer to her. So sure, crunchy mom. Okay. Crunchy mom. We call, <laughs> crunchy Max, mom's we call dead. Max a crunchy kid. Crunchy kid. Okay. Um, so they return and she thanks her for saving the boy's life and he's... He's back to his normal, vital self, and so, Alex so, seems surprised. <laughs> Problem the second. Yes. Let's say that you did have a theory that if I just give him a teeny tiny vial full of mm. blood and I don't actually have him eat it, then he won't turn into a vampire. When he makes a miraculous recovery, you just treat him and street him? 
you don't hold him back for observation or doing mm-hmm. again this woman went to medical school she was in respiratory failure he's the, fine now though so just let him go i just <laughs> i wonder if there is some kind of long-term plan that alex has to be like queen of the vampires and she's wanting to build a, an army loyal to her but i don't know that that makes sense because this kid has no idea no he's acting completely on instinct no, and she doesn't even address that as an, a possibility. It's just it's such a random thing that I, I I honestly don't understand. The only thing that would make it make sense for me is if Lady Gaga somehow has the classic vampire, glampire uh, ability to control people's minds and influence them, and this mm-hmm. is some long-term plan for her. Right. But that doesn't make sense. And also, there's been zero on-screen evidence that there's been any kind of mind control powers for the vamp- the glampires. Right. I mean, they're missing fangs. So, <laughs> you know, there's been lots of instances where having the ability to mentally command people to be useful. So I don't think it's... I don't think that's the case. So no. I just feel, again, this Alex character is a dumpster fire mm-hmm. of a character. And I hope she dies. Yeah. Yeah, it's rough. Um, so... Iris returns to the hotel looking like hell, and Liz greets her and um, asks her what's wrong and offers her help. So I think by this, immediately I think Liz knew exactly what was going on. She takes her up to the bar and makes her a blood and triple sec cocktail out of Elizabeth's private stash. Mm -hmm. And reminds her that she's going to need to feed because this is her life now. These are your choices. If you can't drink from a dead person, how the hell can you drink from just a vial of blood that's been sitting on a shelf for, like, even if it's just a couple hours? The blood... Is that... No, I don't think it's sitting on a shelf. I think blood is something that you definitely need to refrigerate. But still, like, is that part of the pasture? But, I mean, so what? They could find, if, if a homeless person died in the winter, they could drink from them as long as it hasn't been frozen like it's no, the, the rule the way is that, uh, someone dies the and same instantly w- the, the blood instantly goes bad like we saw that they were feeding off a live girl she died and they're like oh it tastes funny it's because she's dead moron like i don't know is that part of the whole i think that's the wrong thing to nitpick <laughs> well i this is at least half my podcast so okay. you're wrong um is this part of the machine process that we've seen that the if you pasteurize the blood it can be stable for a while I don't know, the same way that hospitals store blood, I suppose. So, I don't know. Uh, I guess that's true. She's eating from a a bag of dead blood. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I don't... That doesn't seem like a very consistent plot point. No. But whatever. Yeah, and I don't care. So, she... I care enough for both of us. (laughs) So, Iris complains about feeling invisible and has for most of her life, but now that she's at this age and men don't notice her and... But I don't know. I have no, a lot no, of thoughts on that, but it's 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 what I thought. Mm-hmm. I, I remember we talking about this at some point of the season that uh, season two True Blood guy who was like the fat nerdy basement dwelling vampire Stephen Root. Yeah, Stephen Root. He was the you know counterpoint for all of the supernaturally attractive vampires that got turned when they were teenagers or early twenty somethings. Yeah, just... and they're just beautiful forever. But he was just a sad old man. Who I mean, got... even Russell Edgington. Was at least you know he he's one of those uh, personalities. Yeah, and he's he's very charismatic and he's fit and he's trim. He's like the you know Ian McKellen gentleman gay vampire where you can <laughs> see that he could oh yeah sure he could get a hot twenty something boyfriend if he wanted to. Whereas Stephen Root's just you know all he's got is to ask for no salt on his margarita glass and for people to ignore it and put very large grains on so. <laughs> I feel like Iris is the Stephen Root of female, female vampires. All right. Maybe they're meant for each other. Then you're not invisible anymore, right? Oh, there you go. It's too bad the other dude's dead. There's plenty no of... No way Kathy Bates is getting out of the season alive. <laughs> she doesn't have the best track record. <laughs> yeah. It's not so much that you're invisible. It's just that very beautiful people treat you poorly. All, that sl- all you slash fictioners out there, you need to give Edward and Bella... And Christian Give that shit Grey a break. and it's Anastasia, for... all that a break. We yeah. need Stephen Root and Iris <laughs> slash fiction. They can meet online. I love that. I love that. There's like something like a super secret vampire personal ad. Yeah. 
you know, and they're just always swiped left to, and then they just swipe right <laughs> on each other, and there you go. Yeah. Glampiresingles.com. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so. It'd probably be Sucker, right? It's like Tinder or Grinder. It'd sucker. be Sucker, but with no E. It'd just be Suck R. It's, no, it'd be like S U Q R. Ooh. Sucker. Squicker. <laughs> so, how do you get Squicker? <laughs> I don't know. You throw a Q in something, my brain goes cool. I. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, so we cut to the boy that Alex, uh, doomed. I was going to say saved, but I think doomed is a better word for this. Damned. Damned Damned. would be the perfect word. All right. Killing his parents as a school bus shows up. So there's that. That's what you get for not vaccinating your kids. Oh, it gets, it gets worse. Like Um, not only are, is your kid going to die, uh, or perhaps become a blood sucking monster, but the entire school district. Like, imagine showing your face at the parent-teacher's organization board meeting then. You can't. You can't do it. No. He was doing you a favor. Not the least of which you're dead and your husband's dead. (laughs) Um, So, the boy goes to school during this Halloween party. The teacher comes up and confiscates his fake pirate sword. Zero tolerance for fake plastic weapons. Yeah. But he's allowed to retain his pirate hook. Yeah, plastic hook, which yeah. arguably is probably more dangerous. Like, you could gouge a person's eye. You're not gouging shit out with a plastic sword, but that hook has a point on it. It does. And he's also keeping his knife in but his But that's where, that's where the Venn diagram of ADA compliance and zero tons <laughs> for weapons overlaps, and the teacher's brain just locks up. Like, it's uh, it's uh, it's a uh, prosthetic, uh. but it's a weapon, but it's a prosthetic, but it's... And her head explodes. <laughs> So, um, his little friend Maddie and him sneak off into this back room, which apparently kids can do yeah. without being seen in this small yeah, classroom. Yeah, the preteens are getting their grinder <laughs> yeah. on Tinder on. Getting their... It's a little too Tinder. Pre-teender. You're a little too Tinder. <laughs> pre-teender. You're a little too Tinder for Tinder. Come on now. Um, this is, uh, I don't know. I felt like our kids really getting... Having well, yeah, they, seven minutes in heaven in the school cloakroom. So they go into this back room and they're talking and then they start to kiss. Did this make you feel uncomfortable? Yeah, I did. Yeah. But I guess that was the point. Because, again, every time I start thinking. I know kids are doing it, but. No, I, no, no. But here's the thing. This is a horror story. And, yeah. like, Ryan Murphy is subversive enough to be like, you know what really scares the hell out of parents? The idea of their kids being sexual. So I'm going to throw a couple of 10, 11 and 12-year-olds and put them in a cloak closet and have them biting each other's lip. Yeah. So that's actually a decent play. Like, yeah. I don't think he's advocating it. I mean, obviously. No, obviously. You are not getting, well, I should hope you're not being aroused by this. <laughs> that you're taking the wrong thing out of it. But uh, they're kissing, they bite each other, and, you know, that happens. The girl catches the measles quickly. Yep. Is that how that works? I don't. I th- okay. here's where the metaphor breaks down. Like the vamp, you, you, as a vampire, you get super measles until you drink blood. Yeah, after until you seal the deal. I. It's like I feel like that this is going to somehow mutate and be the downfall of the vamp- vampire race. So, to, in order to turn into a vampire, you need any amount of vampire blood ingested into you or injected into your yeah. veins any amount yeah is what i'm taking away from i think this. so a small amount of I mean, it's l- an infection l- again as a doctor she should have known it's a an infection a super infection yeah well and now i'm thinking that like because that's a that's a real thing you get a human virus or you you get a you know a, a virus that's in a pig or virus that's in a bird and it mutates and then becomes a human strain like sometimes these viruses can mingle together and their genetic code gets I mean, this isn't all real science, but it's American horse. I mean, the bird and pig stuff, jumping human, that's that's real science. But how the viruses get together and combine, I'm not really, I'm kind of fuzzy on. But I think he's suggesting that somehow this incredibly contagious measles thing is spreading. So if they never fed, they would have super measles? I, I, that's where I don't understand because I... There's a couple of pieces of vampire lore I can think of where you don't really become a vampire until you... You have all of your blood drained and then replace it with vampire blood. Or there's also some host traditions vampire. where, like, if a vampire bites you or shares its blood, then you become, like, a daywalker 
you're essentially like blade, oh. but it until <laughs> until you actually seal the deal and take a human life and drink their blood, then you don't become the full vampire. Oh. Like the Dresden, the Red Court oh. Dresden uh, vampires see. work that way. So the teacher comes in, finds a little girl with the measles, and then the boy kills the teacher. And um, we're not sure how exactly everything spreads to the class. But we do see a little boy fall out of the doorway, and, and that alerts the principal to come in. Finds that all the children are writhing with measles on yeah, the like, floor. Yeah, because Madison's still stuck in the closet. She's yeah. drinking from the sister, or the sister, from the teacher. But I think that, uh, who's also a sister. But I think that, I guess that uh, the crunchy kid is going around smearing blood in everybody's face, mouth. The whole class? He's just making or, out with the whole class? Or this is going to spread via, like, measles. Like, it's going to be the vampire disease that spreads like measles, which could be through so casual So it's like contact. airborne vaginal contact? Is that what you just said? <laughs> no. No, I didn't. I don't even know where you got that from. What did you just say? I don't know. I said, I was going to say it spreads by casual contact. Casual. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, it's, if only we recorded everything we said right now, we could play <laughs> well, it back. But we'll never know. I'm not going to stop recording just to so, my curiosity. I believe that it was airborne. The kids caught it super quick. The principal comes in and finds that Maddie is feeding on the teacher, and then the children kill the principal in a really horrible way yeah i wonder like what it's like to be a teacher or a, a school administrator to watch this like is this uh you know are they passing this the scene to each other like you know this is going around in email chains like your worst nightmare and all these children just like gumming coming at you like hyenas and tearing you apart <laughs> i mean it's i thought that them swarming the principal was genuinely creepy yeah like you know little kids being evil already pretty high in the creepy index but they're all covered in blood and then when the SWAT team arrives shortly later there's like dismemberment and stuff I, I thought it was pretty affecting yeah um so the administrators are in the office decorating for Halloween because everyone always decorates the day of a holiday sure um I don't know why that bothered me but it does the Especially the one that loves Halloween. And she the thing loves... I love most is I love waiting until the very last day to put up my decorations. And I love being scared. <laughs> and that's when the principal falls against the window with all these Pretty bloody good. handprints. And Pretty yeah, good. it was good. Also, how would you like the uh, cultural insensitivity comment where the girl dressed up as a very stereotypical Native American calls out the other actual Indian, red dot Indian, for having yeah. the, the dot? Yeah. It'd be a lot funnier if this weren't how people actually are. Yeah. What are you going to do? Kill them. (laughs) Like these children do. The school goes on lockdown, and the police show up and find that um, anti-vaxxers and people who are culturally insensitive, like Mm -hmm. both mock and real Indian women, are dead now. Mm Um. And they usher, or they go through the school and find that all the children are, are they in the gymnasium? I don't know where they are. Somewhere with a fence yeah, inside. Yeah, there's a, I found it, like locker. a, a stage. Yeah, a supply locker or something. I don't know. Um, and all the children have the same story, or have concocted the same story to tell. And that is, there's a one man dressed all in black with a mask thoughts on who the man with the I mask. mean the thing that immediately jumps to mind is a zodiac killer because we just saw a big dude with a black mask yeah but these kids would not know about that so i don't i'm not sure why they've concocted this black mask story other than it's a very simple story that could be anyone i mean it could be it could go nowhere this is just the the you know uh the crunchy kid saying look look i've got now super vampire smarts because that's yeah. part of the deal. Yeah. We got to get our stories straight so we can go out and feed on this whole city. Yeah. So, but, you know, it's like, I thought it was pretty, it's actually kind of clever, the fact that these SWAT teams come, they find these kids, they're covered with blood, mm-hmm. and they don't think, oh, my God, these kids went on a murderous rampage. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty, I thought it was pretty cute. I also wanted to point out that this little redheaded kid, this actor has been oh, yeah. in everything lately. Um, and he's always played huge dick. So I just intuitively, whenever I see him, I hate him. He's got a dick face, but he he's was, so hot right now. He was just in a wet, hot American summer where uh, he played the bully. 
he was just in this um, commercial that um, have you seen it where he plays Peter Pan going to like a thirty year high school reunion and talking about how old everyone oh, is. Oh yeah. He was in that, and then he's in this now, and in all instances, he's just been... His parents are hopping. They're all over it. Yeah. They got him in everything. Yeah. Settle down, <laughs> redhead kid's parents. Give, so, him, give him some time to be a kid. Yeah, keep an eye on that guy. He's going places. John is in his lieutenant's office, his captain. The commander. commander. I couldn't tell. It's He had a like a single bar on his collar, which yeah. I, that's, I think two bars is lieutenant, but yeah. what the fuck do I know? And John's trying to say, listen, I was there at this place last night. This group of people killed a man. And the commander names all of the names that John had given him. And he says these people are dead. And he says, I know that. I think they were imposters. I believe that this group, or at least the person pretending to be James Patrick March, is the Ten Commandment killer that he's been after. And I think that was a pretty legit story. He's not he's not giving the story that he believes that those people were really there, but they they were imposters. And I think that on Halloween of all places or all times yeah, the fact that he that's got, absolutely believable. The fact that he got fired like this is just complete crazy talk when we've yeah. seen this guy nailing t- I mean, what is too outlandish? When what and, would be a too outlandish explanation? And he uh, and he re- references the fact that he showed some erratic behavior after having a breakdown. I want to say like four years ago after his son disappeared. Yes. Also, perfectly legitimate excuse to I mean, lose your shit. If you're going to say like, look, maybe you need some time off, and I want you to see this, I you know, because he did look awful, erratic to say the least. And maybe you give him some time off and you say you need to see, you know, I, I want you to get checked out by our office shrink or, or whatnot. But just to go like, you're off the force. You're gone. Just fire him. He's a great detective also, as we saw from That's the what f- they established. sunglass scene. Right. Yeah, I, I thought this was pretty. And I looked it up. This guy's a lieutenant. A single bar is lieutenant for in right. police world. Good. That was really a pressing issue for me. Well, I know people email, and I was just trying to save people to... I don't know. It's, well, it's unfortunate to sorry someone halfway through the email, and they're like, aww. <laughs> I was a police officer with the LAD police. Aww. You know. <laughs> Go ahead and send it in. Yeah, I'll pretend like I'll pretend like I didn't know. Yeah, well, I'm surprised. <laughs> I'll carry it. Next week. Or we'll genuinely forget next week. <laughs> it's probably closer <laughs> to the mark. So, the actual, literal, worst kind of people show up at the Hotel Cortez... Biggest douche ever I have in my notes. And they want a room with a discount. Yes. Do you have a discount for influencers? <laughs> okay. Um, I, I I just want to blow past all of their scenes until they get... Cosign. Until they're dead. Um, I mean, the thing is, is like, I thought it was interesting how they... Uh, just they're, they're hiding out in a hotel from kids, trick-or-treating. Yeah, I mean... And they're such douchebags that they don't, they don't even know the Halloween rules of just turn off your porch light and nobody's going to come knocking. That's how it works. Eh, some people don't know the, the, those rules both ways, too. Sure. So you'll get a couple people who try you anyway. Like you can't handle one or two kids. And also, just gotta get a bowl full of candy. Jesus Christ. And leave it out on the porch. Yeah. Like everyone else does. Did these kids spring fully formed from their mother's forehead or something they never went trick-or-treating wouldn't it be so ironic if you pretended to like halloween and gave out candy and got really into it <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> yeah there you go be ironic uh, ironically <laughs> halloween yeah these people also i think the most comfortable place to uh quote smoke out and chill out is in my own home uh-huh i don't want to go to a shitty hotel and spend no. money but that's funny, and it's ironic. And plus, Will Drake has redone it, so they're, you know, yeah. Will Drake's this big fashion mogul, we know. Mm-hmm. So they decide to stay despite it being a terrible room. I have a question. Why did Kathy, or why did Iris not take them immediately to any one of the number of murder rooms? That's a good question. Like, These people should have been, like... In the first episode, the first few fast episodes... Fast track. There should be a fast track process where all the... D- Douchebags go. Yeah, the first few episodes. That's the only thing that she did with yeah, anyone who checked room 64. in. Sixty-four. Well, I guess John's squatting in room sixty-four now. So that's the only room that people get murdered in. 
No, clearly not. Claudia's room was open, and she was definitely murdered in it. Yeah, no, I, I, I take your point. Like, plus, you know, you can always make exceptions. Like, I, there's entire floors that are murder rooms yes. on this hostel, this hotel. Yes. So, um, I'm just gonna say that Iris is at a very weak point and very vulnerable yeah, right now. Yeah, she's clearly barely able to put thoughts together in her head because she's fiending for blood and yeah. she's like unsure about all these new things, and she's probably worried that what happened was when Gaga gets there. Mm-hmm. So I- the devil. Iris comes down and Liz is reading Voltaire mm-hmm. and Iris is visibly shaken by what happened. Elizabeth and Tristan are on their way out. And Which I thought it was a nice touch that I, I take it that she's dressed, supposed to be Lucy and that, uh, did you say his name's Tristan? Tristan. Uh, the Tristan is dressed as the Bram Stoker's Dracula. version, Francis Coppola's Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. The young, hot version of Dracula. The top hat and Dracula the green glasses. Dracula is so hot right now. He is so hot right now. Gary Oldman's so hot. Especially when he's like wolf. He's like <laughs> fuck, fucking you as a wolf, man. It's like that's... Not yeah. that I have that clip in like my, my secret stash or anything. But... Definitely not something we do. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> so she comes back. And they put the pressure on her. Um, They lean in real close and say, you seem nervous. Why are you sweating? Why do you smell different? She's like, oh, must must be Halloween. And they're like, huh, must be. And I think Gaga knows. Oh, absolutely. The second she came out of that elevator, she could smell the sweat and fear and vampirism. Yeah, they're just, she's like this, she's like, aha, the game's afoot. Donovan's (laughs) got some scam she's trying to run. Aha, we're all vampires now. Aha. Aha, aha. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So the phone rings at the front desk and it's these fucking assholes again that want to order fancy foods. The grilled lettuce and their pates. Grover Remain, can I just make a secret confession to you right now? Mm -hmm. That actually sounds really good. Oh, sure. Grilled Remain with like Parmesan cheese and lemon juice and cracked. Totally. (laughs) Totally. But, but you know what? Instead of Iris calling a nearby restaurant and you'll probably be be disappointed because she didn't read the Yelp reviews. Why don't you fucking call ta- and call order out? Like these again, as you said, they're literally the worst people. Yeah, Artis- So they want artisanal cheeses, grilled romaine, and pate. So Liz says, "It's hey, like they said I on Rick and Morty. Pate. Even Hitler, at least he cared about Germany. Seriously. These people care about nothing. Nothing. <laughs> so um, they don't have pate, but they do have a can of cat food. I haven't seen a cat yet. Have you?" No. This show needs more cats. I just decided that that's what's missing here. They need more cats. So, yeah, like if, uh, Kathy Bates needs to play a crazy cat lady some year. She'd be really good at like crazy cat, like just covered in cat hair everywhere. Yeah, I'm just a to... cloud of it coming off of her as she uh, strolls down. It just that makes me want to sneeze. Just thinking about the allergies that maybe she can have like a, she can just like summon cats the way vampires can summon bats. <laughs> like just you get swarmed by cats. <laughs> Spider-Man like a wave, just, a tidal like, wave of cats. cats. They come out of her mouth. Of her mouth. Yeah, like Green Mile style. Oh, you know yeah. the way. My, yeah, he like let those gnats <laughs> out. She yeah. her, her her mouth just hinges open, and just a flood of cats come out. I love that. Okay, so now <laughs> you are responsible for making a photoshopped picture of Stephen Root and Iris together, holding hands with mouth with cats just flooding out of their mouth. Yes. All right. Do that. That should be our new. Uh, podcast photo so <laughs> you are you wanting me to make that the itunes yes. cover for our podcast yes i'll see what i can do yeah probably or, not today okay at the very least you probably can not do ever. Is, just put it on a t-shirt all right and then put a bird on it so liz and iris start to bond he says that you see everything when the world does not see you and whatever the fuck that means and she says, what does she say? She alludes to him being gay, and he says, I'm not gay. She says, and all she, I see when I look at she, you is question marks. Yeah, there's questions. Um, so he says, so you want to know how a married man from Topeka ends up as Liz Taylor? Yes, yes, we all, <laughs> millions of Americans cry out, yes, yes, we do. So Tell us, Russell Edgington, mm-hmm. we sit at your feet. We go back to 1984. And you see that Liz is a married man that married a woman just so he could wear the same dress size. We don't actually see the woman's face. I think 
This is my headcanon, right? I think that that was him. I do too. It was the exact same yes. body. No, no. I I got that strong suspicion too. Yeah. Okay. Although um, it's not hard to find, you know, I mean, I didn't No, see- I mean, you could easily find a body double. Sure. People do it all the time. That's how movies yep. are made. Yep. But I, I think the fact that they didn't show the face mm-hmm. definitely sold it for me. For sure. Um, so his son comes and sits next to him and shows him that he drew a picture of a plane for his trip. Mm-hmm. And he tells him that he drew the wrong plane and kind of brushes him off. Here's the, yeah, like... The, the Gaga's sense of neglect, because he's so disinterested in this child. Yeah. And also he runs off and abandons him with her blessing. So the neglectors are fine. Neglected children are fine to take in, but not together? I don't know. Okay. Maybe maybe that's a sign for us that she's actually full of shit, and that she's collecting yeah. his children from some, for some other nefarious reason. Yeah. So... He reveals that he's on a business trip to California. He's a medical rep for Eli Lilly, which mm-hmm. I was under the impression they were Indianapolis-based. They're Indianapolis-based, but I'm sure Lilly's got offices everywhere. everywhere. Okay. Um, huge pharmaceutical company. They um, Plus, the, Ryan Murphy probably doesn't know that Kansas is and, not Indiana and Indiana is not the same. <laughs> That's true. It's all <laughs> the same when you're flying over it. Exactly. Um, amber waves, baby. Just amber waves. <laughs> So his coworkers go out. They're just disgusting people. They're gonna go out. They hit up all the strip clubs. That's the thing. And... No, they weren't. They were normal dudes in the eighties. I guess that's true. That's. I mean, that's the. That's the thing. Like I remember. You know, speaking of Indiana, Ryan White. You know, uh... the, the the kid that got AIDS from a blood transfusion, and he probably did a lot to advance the idea that you can hug gay people or not gay people. Uh, <laughs> you, you avoid hugging gay people at all costs. My no, God. no, no, you cannot. You still cannot in this day and age hug gay people. No, no, I, that's pretty sure it's a federal law. But you can hug people with AIDS, and they're they're people, and you're, it's not going to just jump out at you. And like people trying to keep him from going to public schools, like there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah, terrible way he was treated. So like people just you know uh, ignorance plus you know baseline homophobia equals bad times for you know. Uh, I mean that's the thing, like. I was I was thinking as we were reading interviews with Dennis O'Hare and some of this background information and just the idea of how much like the fact that we we slice people pretty fine nowadays like this guy it's like I you know you thought he was a crossdresser or a drag queen that's how he thought of himself mm-hmm. that's how Russell Edging that's how Russell Edgington thought of himself in in the early goings of the season but now he's under the impression that uh, Liz is actually a trans woman okay. Which is, you know, now I notice that when the people are writing about it, they're, they're switching pronouns uh, correctly and all that stuff. But, like, back in 30 years ago, it's like you're just a fag. Or you were just uh, yeah. you know, a twink. Or, you know, whether, like, you know, Ed Wood. There's a guy who is, you know, describes himself as red-blooded American man who loves women, loves having sex with women, but he likes the feel of ladies' clothes on his skin. Right. Whereas this, I feel like... It was the introduction. It was when he was in the house saying that he married a woman, but I just wanted it. to wanted to wear her clothes. So that's why I was confused. The about tells it. I think is when he drug out, like he when he drug out the word transformed. He's like, I was transformed. And I feel like that this is the type of show that winks about stuff like that. Yeah. And also, the Gaga says she doesn't. He he doesn't. He smells. She smells like a woman in his blood. And mm-hmm. then he break down and like he touched. I feel like yeah. that, that means internally. That's how he feels. Right. So I missed that thing the first time through, but that yeah. makes a lot more sense. So um, Elizabeth shows up when he or she orders champagne. It's going to be confusing because there's actually a literal transition in this episode where... Uh, you know what? We've he never... refers to himself as a man and a married man, and then we've, we've got this thing. So we, I, I'm, we... I'm not trying to start anything if I get the wrong pronoun. No, I'm, the I'm, right I'm pronoun... Do... No, the right pronoun is Russell Edgington. Yes. So <laughs> Russell Edgington orders champagne, and it gets delivered. And when Russell brings it back into the door, Elizabeth is there. And she says... You got Betty Davis eyes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you don't like beauty, you lack commitment. So we have an awesome makeover scene. Uh-huh. Um 
where they transform Nick Pryor into Liz Taylor and offers to take her to the Roxy and call up Mick Jagger and mm-hmm. his glamorous lifestyle because goddesses don't speak in whispers. They scream. And I love the way she delivers this. Sure. Um, no, Gaga is eating this oh, yes. up. Yes, she's loving this. I like. Did you read any of Dennis O'Hare's interviews? Because it was really cute no, how he insisted that the first time he met Lady Gaga, he wanted to be totally in character. <sighs> like heels, makeup, and everything. And I guess like Gaga just like screamed. It was like, just couldn't believe it. She was just like, oh my God, you look fucking on fire. And like, of course she would. Yeah. But like, and I guess he was like really, once he started showing up on set, he always wanted to show up before anybody. Like when he showed up on set, he wanted to be fully in makeup. It's like, I'm not going to wear sweatpants and sneakers and be like, hey, everybody, I haven't shaved today. And yeah. then he comes, he always came in as Liz Taylor. I love that. I mean, no, and I you can tell cool. that he's actually committed to this performance. Yeah, and, and he also said that putting on women's clothes made him more critical of his figure because he started That'll noticing, happen. like, man, I look kind of paunchy, and my I don't know if my and he, he says I really worked out hard for the season because I wanted my legs to be good because I knew I was going to be doing all this diaphanous stuff, and mm-hmm. so it's like interesting, yeah, interesting, yeah. Suddenly seeing things from the other side, yes. Um, so they decide that. He, the thing I notice when I wear a skirt is my balls get sweaty. <laughs> they decide that she just needs a tiny yelp to warm up. Mm-hmm. And she walks down the hallway to get a bucket of ice. Yep. And she is feeling herself. She's a little self-conscious when the maid sees her, but yeah. then she just vamps on through it. Yeah. And then she comes back and um, the co-workers have arrived back. They're drunk, so that makes them their asshole turned up to 11 Right. And they start accosting her and saying, are you a fag? I just took a sip out of your Sprite. You're going to go down. You'll never work with us again. Right. All this stuff. And she fights back. Mm. She gets that, uh, she gets that scream in her. I think (laughs) she Mm. starts to push them down the hallway before Elizabeth gets a chance to kill them. So, and I thought that this would be the time when Liz turns vampire. Apparently not, even though she doesn't seem to have aged in 30 years. Doesn't. Does so not. I wonder. But there's I know, a lot that not having hair and wearing makeup can do for especially you. Especially the kind of makeup. I mean, she's like full on it was Cleopatra eyes at this point. So the makeup's on pretty thick. But I don't know. I feel like we're going to get more to this story. That, yeah, maybe she got hired initially, but... Yeah. I feel like that there's a little bit more supernatural. Because people have pointed out, not only is it just the aging thing, it's the fact that she can work the front desk and the bar simultaneously. Yeah. There's something supernatural to that. Absolutely. And I maybe think she's got, the like, is, the Sally thing going ex- on. Because there's two ways to be immortal. Mm-hmm. Like, she could be hired by Gaga and then later on gets killed somehow. Yeah. And now she... She's the ghost because yeah, there's there's something a bit more to this. Yes. Also, just I just really like this. You know, of course, the people that need to see this message are not watching this show, but you know, Kathy Bates saying, "I look at you, and all I see is question marks." And I guess when he when she is insisting that she's not gay, like I don't even know what that means in this context. If you are a biological man, that's identifies as a woman does that and you're not gay does that mean you like men but the thing is is like it doesn't matter because like i i can't i can't understand the whole trans thing and like bisexual and how that stuff like i i got a good handle like i I can imagine what it's like to be gay and all that but these other things are a little bit fuzzier for me yeah but i do know what it's like to be not the person that you want to be or that you feel like inside and then how amazing and freeing that feels when you finally get to align what's going on inside your head with how you're projecting through the world and how thrilling that is. So it's like, I can identify with this and why not? Why would you not be happy for the people that can finally get that feeling? Yeah, that's true. So I'm happy for Russell Edgington, even though I don't understand the whole process. You have your own visual appearance, what you want to project to the world. Mm hmm. And that I think is how you want people to identify you, and then how you have sex is your own personal business. Mm, sure, that's how I see it. Um, so 
Liz says that she, no, I'm not a vampire. I decided to stay here, but I sent money home until the kids turned 18. And that emboldens Iris into taking action against these shitty kids. So Liz tells her to get her revenge. Mm -hmm. If she didn't have, and she expresses surprise later that Iris killed these kids. Mm -hmm. If murder wasn't on her mind, what did she have in mind? Between cat food feeding and murder. Well, I think the cat food was the revenge and oh, then to make herself feel better and less invisible to go get a make you know get a makeover at the Lacombe. Oh or yeah, the what, Lancome Lancome counter. counter. <laughs> uh, that yeah, I, I thought it. Plus, plus, I don't think he, I don't think she saw Iris is going full on to the murder spree. She's done it before. Yeah, and frequently. Yeah. To feed Elizabeth. That's the other thing about Liz is that I feel like she's a bit too detached from humanity to be fully human. But I guess Kathy Bates was too. And she had the obsession with her son to kind of like... I think her aloofness is just part of her charm. Yeah, probably. Which gives you stank eye when you walk in the mm-hmm. hotel like she mm-hmm. did to Alex last episode. Sure. Um, so Iris brings up the pate and these kids also turn up their dick to 11 yeah um they went that high they're tossing around these insults and they're just being terrible i've seen people to treat it's the it's my big one of my biggest pet peeves is when i see people treating like the help yeah and like any small thing they use it just feed into their little feeding frenzy like you dropped the knife you tried to cut off my toe it's deliberate you're just like and and probably their end game is to scam another ten percent off of the bill, and they're willing to degrade a human being. Yes, to no ends, just to get to either save start some money. drama or save money, and it's just disgusting. It's yeah, it's terrible. I love seeing these people die. So so, so it doesn't take a person like Iris, who's very hungry and needs to feed. Mm-hmm. And is also kind of in a vulnerable state to want to kill these people. Sure. I I probably would have done the Any same thing. Any one of those three things would have had me murdering people. <laughs> yeah. Them being dicks, me wanting to drink blood, and Liz and, and Liz Taylor saying go go go. Yeah. Either one one of those things would have been enough for me to go kill somebody. Yeah. All three. Kathy Bates. She didn't stand a chance. There's no way she she got a medal. So she corkscrews them to death, and um, then she finally feeds. She's feeling better now. Mm-hmm. She's feeling better. herself. She's feeling herself. So we go back to John waking up in his hotel room or in his room and finds that he's slept the emotion with Sally. there too. Like you know the fact that you know she said a whole bunch of stuff about them being hipsters and being entitled. But at the end, when she's really getting into the stabbing, she's like, "I matter. I matter." You know, like this was a lot about her. this is as much about her as it was about the, the douches. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so John wakes up to find that he has slept with Sally and he's covered in some really serious sex scratches. Did you notice that? Oh just yeah. Oh, no. He was torn up Woo. from the floor up. And <laughs> I thought that, yeah, this, this has been a long time coming. Is that why she's immortal? Is she part cat? <laughs> <laughs> she died once, she scratches and I'm sure it's itchy. Mm-hmm. Um, he got so drunk that he blacked out and doesn't remember that he basically dragged her up to his room and they had sex and he hallucinated the demon or the addiction, the demon. addiction demons in the house, yeah. kind of skulking in the back and tugging on his drill bit oh, Jesus. <laughs> from the closet. The sonic screwdriver. Mm-hmm. Um, so he says, I just don't remember. You have to leave. And she, and she obviously gets hurt. Accuses him of lying about not remembering and that it's going to happen again. What do you think he's not remembering? What did they do together besides... I don't know. Honestly, don't. Because there's... We got a really hot take on an alternate theory to John being the Ten Commandments killer, which I quite enjoy. That's what I was getting at. She could just be fucking with him. And we're... This is a red herring. Yeah. But, uh, I mean... If it's not a red herring, then I, I'm guessing that they're they're committing unspeakable acts and not just in the bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> so Liz and Iris are wheeling the bodies to the body shoot, and they're congratulating each other on what strong, powerful women they are. And they share this bottle of red. It's a very nice scene. It is. Um, you hoping for more Liz and Iris in the future? Uh, yeah, it's the, the buddy comedy of the year. <laughs> It's the it's it's a good road show. Haven't yeah. had a good road show since uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, went off the air. That's true. Um, 
So Alex is in Elizabeth's room wearing her, her clothes and Holden and Alex reunite. And he asks, Holden asks Alex if she can stay forever. Elizabeth says, sure, but there are some rules. She's going to be the new governess. She has to take care of the children and she can stay. But if she breaks the rules, she could potentially kill Holden or dismiss I'd love to know who the, was the old governess. Do you think we'll ever get that backstory? Like Maybe. Just a little throwaway, like, oh, the old governess should have been replaced along. I waited I, too long or whatever. I just can't invest wanting to get answers for too many of the questions posed during the first yeah, five episodes. That's a strong point. So um I'm just gonna I'm just gonna enjoy the ride right now. Okay. Old governess wasn't there during this season, so maybe I was thinking we maybe she was referring maybe to Iris, but Iris is still there and I was thinking, well maybe she'd be uh Ramona, but Ramona would never be a governess. No. She'd be like, Fuck all that noise. Yeah, seriously. Bullshit. Uh so yeah, I I'm not sure who she's referring to. So, Alex says, John doesn't know I'm here. Um, What should I do? And she said, you'd be amazed at the wondrous possibilities that begin with a simple hello. And she does this with this fun finger flourish. So, there's been some comments online about whether Lady Gaga was implying that she should kill John. Or she could kill John. Because that finger motion, you could read as the same thing that she did when she slit those businessmen's throat. Or some other people have said that they're, you know, back to the vampiric command, the uh, uh, glamoring of somebody, that she was kind of making a music conductors like that she that she could just wrap John around her little finger uh, and, and, you know, glamour him. I don't know about either of those possibilities. I think she's just saying, you know, John's a crazy loon and you could probably just feed him a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Meanwhile, Scarlet... Where is she? She's just hanging out. I hope she just hangs out with her grandma. Just her stays, grandma seems just cool. Just stay in Disneyland forever. Bake it's cookies, fine. go to Disney World. Yeah. yeah, it's Disneyland. It's it's never getting any better for that for you, Scar. Because your parents, I don't even know. If, I think they've forgotten they've got another <laughs> child. Absolutely. Alex just went whole hog on this one kid thing. Yeah, terrible. Um, but then Alex and Holden go to sleep in the glass coffin with a specially embroidered pillow just for them and they get to be creepy forever yeah it's Yay. really it's gross it's pretty gross so that's all i got what do you uh any thoughts on that no i don't like alex i don't like this relationship she has with holden i don't i i don't know what this vampiric horde she's unleashed on la is going to do like she just seems like a random character that i don't identify with and i don't understand her motivations or her actions and yeah yeah. Definitely the shit spot of the season so far. Yeah. So I am totally ready for this next episode to pick up the pace again. Yeah. Although I thought this, again, I, I thought this episode moved briskly. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I want some action. Man, I mean, okay. I guess, yeah, we got, we got want... everyone's backstories that we give a shit about now, right? Exactly. All the pieces are set in motion. Yeah. You know, Donovan and Ramona are coming iris could deliver or not things like that i'm just what's 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 scarlet's fate yeah is john the ten commandments killer i'm ready for some things to start happening all right well remember we got eight more episodes to go eight yeah because we're on five and we always get 13 13 episode season hell yeah is there gonna be a break Oh, yeah, there always is. They're going to shut down for two, three weeks. Although I thought it was interesting because my theory was you can't have a horror show go across Christmas, but Ash versus Evil Dead is playing, like, its finale episode is... Didn't we get a Santa Claus episode last year in Freak Show? There was definitely a Christmas episode of Asylum. I know that for sure. Maybe they did used to run. You can make Christmas The three years that I've watched it, Uh they have always shut down... From like this two weeks before Christmas yeah. to like the middle of January. Okay, but so I you know no I haven't I, I need to check Wikipedia and see if they're going to do that again. Mm-hmm. Uh, shall we feedback some feedback? If you'd like to send us feedback, there's two ways to get in touch with us: ahs at baldmove.com mm-hmm. and also forums.baldmove.com. Yep. George S is batting first. He says, "I was thinking to maybe Kathy Bates." Having her head in that, some of these people are, are are catching up. Having her head in that plastic bag a few episodes ago was a callback to Ethel having her head cut off last season, or even Madame LaLaurie 
having her head cut off. Is it LaLaurie? Oh, yeah. LaLaurie. LaLaurie. There you go. Having her head cut off, too. Poor Kathy Bates. Oh, that is fun. It is a little fun. You think they're doing it on purpose? or? Yeah, I feel like Murphy likes to have that kind of fun. Yeah. And that, you know, I, yeah. I acknowledge it as fun. Yeah. Uh, Christopher J. Christopher says, you guys talked about the cemetery in the first episode that was showing the 1922 film Nosferatu. That is the Hollywood Forever Cemetery, which is the laying place for Hollywood stars such as Douglas Fairbanks, Peter Lore, Lore, I don't know, I don't know this guy, and Cecil B. DeMille. Do know that guy. The They show a wide range of films every Saturday. In fact, they even had a Breaking Bad series finale party there when it aired. It's an awesome place to watch a movie and oftentimes... A great place to run in celebs. Don't go home with them, though, because they'll open you up and murder you. That would be fun. Getting opened up and murdered? Well, before that, watching a movie in a outdoor, Yeah, outdoor film festivals are cool. Yeah. I think they're they're cool. I mean, one in a graveyard. Ooh, would Ooh. you do it? Would you be too scared? No, not anymore. No? No. Okay. I, I Honestly, I'm embarrassed when I think of what a weenie I was, like, even five years ago. <laughs> and how, super, like, frankly, stupidly superstitious I was. Like, I, like moving next to a graveyard ten years ago would have terrified me. Really? Yeah. I believed in, like, demons and shit, man. I guess, like, ripping off Now it's like, yeah, gotta... I would love to live by a gra- graveyard. Quiet neighbors. Ha, ha, ha. So... <laughs> Um, anyway, as far as John Carroll Lynch goes, not sure if you've seen David Fincher's Zodiac, but Lynch played Arthur Lay Allen as one of the men accused of being the Zodiac killer and perhaps the strongest suspect. I just found it interesting that he was playing Gacy and sitting across the table from the Zodiac. See, that's the thing. Like, I'm not a big true crime fan. Yeah. I like my crimes fictional. I'm I'm a huge true crime fan. You are. You are. That's that's where I'm colorblind to that spectrum of entertainment. Uh, so, yeah, you should check it out and tell me if it's good. <laughs> <laughs> you know what else I thought was funny? What? No, that movie Zodiac, I heard that was the worst movie ever made. So, not. Really? Yes. David Fincher. Well, I mean, he's capable of some kooky stuff. Yeah. Not to everyone's taste. What else I thought was interesting was John Carroll Lynch was recently on an episode of The Walking Dead. Yes, he was. <laughs> and uh, Jim accidentally referred to him as John Wayne Gacy. Did he? In your podcast. He was did. that because he was because I was no. he being funny because I no. we had, I'm sure we talked about that. Dude. Anyway, yeah. um, I got David Lynch and David Fincher confused. Anyway, anyway, I just need to move on. Okay. This is too early, too early in the morning for me to try to get directors' names straight. Carrie A B says I'm a little late to the game, but I wanted to thank Cecily because her comment about this show glorifying serial killers and the possible insensitivity to living victims articulated what I could not say. Don't get me wrong, I'm not a person who's easily offended, and I know I'm getting what I'm getting with uh, AHS, but last week's episode left me with a really bad taste in my mouth, and I couldn't explain to my husband why. Listening to your podcast, it was beautifully explained, I think there's something grossly tasteless about using contemporary serial killers and the way that they were portrayed. Obviously, Horror Story has pulled material from the past before, but this had a different vibe to it. I mean, we discussed that. Um yeah. I will say that I feel like that I'm glad the creative types aren't as sensitive to us and they expose themselves to slings and arrows because, like I was talking about, if I was a Steven Spielberg, I'd never make the color, color purple. Really? You know? Because it's just like, who am I to make this seminal movie about black well, folk? And then, on the other hand, and, what, you are Steven Spielberg and yeah. you have that kind of influence and this is a story that needs to be told. I'm telling you, I couldn't do it. I'm too, no. it's too, I'd, I'd, too I'd be too self-conscious about I would rather leave, get getting the... something wrong and then being criticized, you know, my well-meaning effort being criticized, probably rightfully so, for being insensitive to some way. I so. would rather open up the conversation and totally screw it up and stand corrected. Yeah. But I, sure. But have someone stand there and correct me and then... Yeah. Well, what I'm getting at is I'm glad there's people like Ryan Murphy and like Dan Harmon who might make a joke to like, or, or put in a situation like, oh man, I don't know if I feel comfortable with that because it's if no one did. It's so easy. Yeah. If, if no so, one did, we wouldn't have any art at all. So yeah. Talking about gay rights in a year when gay marriage is legal across the United States, it's so easy. Uh-huh. But talking about trans issues on this podcast, not so easy right now. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like. Uh, but again, I would have a hard time making a work of fiction. Like, it's talking about it, where it's like, if I get it, it's like, hey, I'm I'm trying. If I get it wrong, then I can be educated on it and do better next time. But 
doing a work of art, like you, you've already done the thing, and all you can do is put it out there for people to to react to. Right. There's no. He's also oh, adapting I, you know, a novel. guys, I don't know if this is good or I don't know if it's sensitive, and I just want to throw it out there, and you know, you guys tell me if I fucked up. Well, That's I mean, not he, what creative types do. He was also adapting a novel. It's not like he made up this material. But even the way he adapted it left him open to criticize criticism, as I, you know, criticized him for it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, what an asshole am I? We should move on to Doug L. This is the hot take, I think. Okay. I know a lot of people are pushing John as the Ten Commandments killer theory, but I can't shake the feeling it's a red herring. The last episode did show John have a dissociative episode, and in conjunction with the serial killer ball, it does make a certain sense. However, Angela Bassett's dead lover was Prophet Moses. There's no way in red hell that master of subtlety Ryan Murphy drops a character named Moses into a Ten Commandments murder spree story by accident, and Lowe has no known connections to that character. Anyway, just wondering what, if anything, you make of this particular clue. I think that's great, but... Prophet Moses, Ten Commandments. Prophet Moses, why is, is he waiting... This is connected to Angela trying to get revenge somehow? Like, this is a long con why, on her part? Why would Prophet Moses, if he wasn't actually dead, wait this long to start carrying out these Ten oh, Commandments? Oh, I think he's murders? dead. I think Angela Bassett is doing this as a long con to get... Because, you know, these are vampires. But they why, don't... why would Elizabeth give a shit? If she's doing the Ten Commandments murders. What I'm saying... For someone who murders as frequently as she does. Again, I don't know. But the theory is, if if I'm laying picking up what Doug is laying down here, that immortal vampire Angela Bassett has laid this very long-term plan to maybe... I mean, maybe John's key to it. Like, I don't know what all the pieces are. Well, I'm just saying she, that... If she needed an, well, if she needed an inside man and John was the detective, wouldn't she go to him first? But maybe that's too like she's got incepted. It's got to seem like his idea. So she's got this long con. So you where don't think Prophet doing... Moses has anything to do with the Ten Commandments killers? I, just I want think you that, to say that no. I think it's a hot take. I'm just trying to put together the pieces so that we can figure it out first. Hmm. I'm just... no. That's my my best theory, which I grant has holes. Is that we it'll become clear in the in the weeks and months ahead that I mean this she sh- is subtly influencing things. Because the other thing is, we see you can't just come right at Gaga because mm-hmm. she's too smart. She can smell it. So you have to read, you have to like, you know, crawfish towards her. <laughs> you got a crab, you got a crab come out her sideways. I don't know. Like the, the velociraptors. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Fracken T says about this episode, the hipster couple were watching uh, the news when Iris knocks on the door, but they change the channel when she comes in. What they flip to is Susperia, the first film in Dario Argentino's three mothers trilogy. Susperia, I'm probably butchering all these Italian titles, <laughs> Inferno, and La Terza, Terza Madre. The three mothers are an, uh, three ancient and evil witches called the Mother of Sighs, the Mother of Darkness, and the Mother of Tears. Central to each movie is a building. Each building is a different in a different city and home to a different mother. Each of the women in the 19th century commissioned an architect to design them a home that, like the Cortez, is a vile and cursed dwelling full of evil spirits. It's a cool tip of the hat, not only because of the haunted house similarity or because AHS shares Argento's visual flair for go- gore, but because the central idea of three mothers who rule the world. There are three villains of the trilogy and each is killed at the end of their movie. I think it's pretty obvious who the three mothers are to Cortez. Iris, Elizabeth, and Alex. That's a hot take. I now think... I, I agree. Um, I now think as we get close to the halfway point, continuing with Fracken's point... And see Elizabeth at the height of her powers with Alex as her servant, but also there has to be a rivalry that develops. Elizabeth already felt it necessary to bare her teeth and threaten Holden to keep Alex in line, but that's not going to hold forever. And add to this Iris, immortal and all of a sudden giving zero fucks, and there are three powerful mothers that will become the tent poles of the rest of the season. At least until episode 10 when they always kill off all the villains inexplicably. <laughs> Lastly, I do not get the Alex hate. I don't think there's anything creepy about how much she loved Holden. I understand why she hasn't been hasn't told John that she found Holden, and I think Chloe Savini is doing as well as she can at the character who is admittedly underdeveloped, but not at all unsympathetic. Well, I, you know I, what, Fracken? I, Just because you sleep in a coffin with your child doesn't mean that it's an okay <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> no, I mean, it's at this point, it's even beyond. Like, every single episode gives me new reason to either not understand or connect to her or mm. outright hate her. Yeah. I mean, this was episode was a clinic of poor decisions and inexplicable decisions and what the fuck is going on. Yeah. 
And then, yeah, at the end, she gets into her her coffin with her child lover. It's creepy. Child lover. I'm just saying. It's no. Someone. I also read a review that pointed out that Holden and Alex's reuniting scene happened right under the why aren't we having sex right now neon sign it's i'm telling you it's it's gross and and i'm whether it's intentional or not what you're putting on the screen is gross but i again i think as a horror show that kind of creepy gross stuff is is fair game like no one's saying like oh yeah this is the way i mean this is intending to unsettle you and freak you out yeah it's an american horror story it is yeah uh, he says also, P.S. Aaron, you said on multiple twi- uh, podcasts that Twisty was the best thing about Freak Show, but I think you're forgetting how awesome the dandy was. When I rewatched Freak Show back in September, the dandy parts of the show were the ones I look forward to the most. I had a chaotic, unpre- or he had a chaotic unpredictability to him that Twisty never had, and he was a much better in season Big Bad than Twisty would have been. I mean, I don't know because we didn't get to see Twisty. I'm just saying that I like American Horror to be horror. And I don't think why the dandy was interesting and he was fun. There was I nothing never... more horrifying than what was under that mask. He was he was scary, but that not only was Twisty just vile and gross and vicious and visually disgusting and horrific mm-hmm. uh, and creepy. He had but the backstory. Then to back when the it backstory up. and it, it turned the corner on him, yeah. I I'm to me that's the best character American Horror Story has ever had in the, in my. Uh, admittedly limited history with the show right so you know i think you're not wrong about the dandy but i for my money twisty's just was just incredible yeah just incredible um so yeah there you go that's mm-hmm. my defense of my opinion <laughs> if you'd like to send us uh some more uh disagreements hot or hot takes or character observations or what have you you can do so at ahs at baldmove.com or forums.baldmove.com I think that's it for the week. Do you have a scary story you want to tell? No, <laughs> never doing that again. That went over like two lead balloons. So learn my lesson. This is not scary stories to tell in the dark. We are not horror writers. We are We are never going to mention that again. Thank you very much. Uh, but until next time, I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Cecily. Bye-bye.